Welcome to the Get Transformed podcast, where we transform the journey of Jewish divorce from hellish to healing. We're your hosts. I'm Ali. And I'm David. And we've both personally navigated the challenges of divorce in the Jewish world. We started this podcast when we each found that while there's often a lot of community support and education for things like child rearing and marriage, there's a real gap of support for people in our community going through divorce. We're also both Jewish educators, coaches, and healers. So we're offering practical tools, perspectives, and real life examples from our own clients that will change your challenging experience of divorce into an opportunity to transform your life in powerful and beautiful ways. Join us as we delve into a new topic each week, answering real life questions and sharing parts of our journey with you all. Good morning, Ellie. Good morning. Welcome back, everyone. This is our fourth attempt to record this episode. <laughs> a comedy of errors has, has, has occurred, but we are back, even though you guys don't realize it, but we are back once again to try to make this episode, <laughs> which I'm excited about. And we're, and we're really addressing a great question for, for those who are actually just trying to figure out if divorce is relevant to them. We yes. actually have a Facebook group um, for divorced women. And I'm getting a lot of people joining that are saying, you know, they're just thinking about it. They're trying to understand what this thing is and how to make the decision. So how are we going to approach this? Yeah, it's a, it's a massive topic. Uh, we've tried our best to kind of put some structure around it. Um, the first kind of point I want to bring out there is that the decision for divorce has to be really an internal one made by you and that no one should be pressuring you. No one should be pushing you, your friends, your family, your therapist, whoever it is, it's really going to come as a totally personal decision. Um, however, having said that, you know, there is a structure that you can use to kind of examine the question for yourself. So it's not just kind of one big smush in your brain, like should I, or shouldn't I? Like, how do you, how do you approach such a broad question? Mm -hmm. So we wanted to kind of give you some kind of uh, structure, some kind of format that you could use to then examine the question piece by piece to see what comes out when you do. And I think we should note, especially as like coaches and healers who work a lot with our clients on self-regulation, these are questions that need to be asked in a state of like calm curiosity like you shouldn't be making this decision when you're reactive you shouldn't be asking these questions when you're way overwhelmed or totally exhausted or really really angry or upset about something but from a place of calm curiosity where you can really delve a little bit more deeply under the surface into what's going on with yourself and your partner and your marriage so that these questions become a journey and not so much just you know weaponized yeah and and because we love caveats here we're we're starting early on in the episode of the caveat that awesome. um we're not talking about situations of abuse or you know any extreme situations yeah. that's not our kind of uh clientele we're talking about situations here where it's a regular life complicated ups and downs lows those are the kinds of situations that kind of helping people kind of navigate. Yeah, we would say in any situation, of course, when it comes to domestic abuse, you should absolutely make sure that you're safe, that your kids are safe. Those are sort of the first things at the top of the list is um, prioritizing everyone's safety. Um, so as you said, these conversations are more about the 
the challenges of the relationship rather than a situation of when you're actually um, in danger. Fantastic. Um, so we wanted to mention here that when you're addressing these topics, there's often a, um, a dual kind of, um, you know, two parallel lines that are going. There's often a story that we tell ourselves. There's mm -hmm. a kind of the superficial um, reasons or topics that we're analyzing. And until you've kind of done some of the more inner work, it's often can be a, very convincing that that's where the reasons are at that make sense. So for example, you know, he's always just so inconsiderate of me. I can bring you 25 different instances of him being inconsiderate of me. Right. right. Which right. is, which is valid. You know, you don't want to have a husband who's inconsiderate, but often if you haven't done some of the deeper work to understand what's beneath the surface, what, what feelings are you having? What feelings is, is he having? You may not really understand what the real dance is that's going on here and we may not be able to make an appropriate decision just based on the superficial um, story. Does that make sense? Can you articulate it perhaps better? Yeah, totally. I mean, I remember you gave this great talk about like, it's not about the sock, right? Like, so I think a lot of the time, like, oh, they always leave their socks on the floor. This person is always late or this person doesn't do this or that person doesn't do this. And those are all of the sort of the content of the feelings. Um, but if you only focus on the content and saying this is a war of facts, you're really never going to be able to get to the deeper understanding of where the breakdown in the relationship is. Um, and that usually has to do with a combination of these four sort of things that we're going to look at, you know, which is, you know, what's happening with yourself, what's happening with your partner, what's happening in your relationship. And then what are some of the outside circumstances that are influencing um, your relationship and how both of you are coping and how both of you are connecting. Yeah. And, and I would say that if you haven't started talking in the world of emotion, mm -hmm. in terms of what feelings you're having, what feelings he's having. Right. Which we don't underestimate is easy. Like that's the deeper work that is a bit challenging, especially if you're not used to talking about feelings. Yeah. But if you haven't started going there, then you may still be in the kind of outside shell of the issues rather than the inner core. Um, right. So that's just kind of a couple of ideas before we dive into the rubrics that we wanted to share with you today. Mm. Um, so without further ado, <laughs> let us begin. We said there's four different parts here that we're going to analyze. We're going to start with, you know, the, the, the header is self. Mm. Um, and we're going to break this into some more smaller pieces. you want to start us off? Sure. So I think this is the part of this decision-making process where hopefully you turn to look at yourself first before evaluating your partner, which is what is my part in the difficulty? Um, you know, what, what am I contributing to things being challenging um, to really understand your own needs and your own um, wounds and challenges as part of this relationship that you've both created. Um, so I, I kind of like the idea of sometimes asking the opposite, like, uh, what is the reason to stay in the marriage? Like, I think, you know, we can easily sometimes list all of the reasons why it's bad, but um, can you sit down and honestly list why what are the reasons to stay and it can give you a sense of contrast it can give you a sense of perspective 
Um, so I think that would be one of the things that I would begin with. Um, and also, you know, if that list is very short, mm-hmm. it's it can be very indicative. Yeah. You know, if you say the reason to say, well, because financially it's going to be hard. Right. Or because I'm afraid of change. Yeah. Right. If, if that's the only reasons to stay. Right. Or like it's familiar. I'm used to this. I don't, you know, I, I think it will give you a good set of eyes on um, what are the ties that bind in this particular relationship right now. Yeah, one of the questions also to ask yourself is, do I feel safe? Mm. So can we define safe? Because we already know we're not talking about domestic abuse. But what do we mean then when we're saying, do I feel safe? Because it's such an important question. I think that there's a major um, connection between vulnerability and safety. If you're not feeling safe, you're not going to be willing to be vulnerable. Mm -hmm. And if you want to have a meaningful relationship with someone, you have to be vulnerable. So emotionally safe means am I willing to, do I feel okay, you know, sharing my feelings? Do I feel safe sharing some of the, some of the stuff that I'm going through in a way that my partner can hear it and take it on and not flip out and not, you know, just not be able to handle it. So safe means also like, am I being triggered all day long? Right. Right. We talked about just to clarify trigger. It's a, it's got a word which has a lot of connotation. I think we've mentioned this before, but the idea is your nervous system goes into fight or flight when it feels unsafe. Mm-hmm. And so if you're in a constant state of your body having to be hyper aware, hyper vigilant, because you're just reacting to the environment that you're in, that's not a really great way to have a life. And I think that the point of asking this question under the heading of self is, are you already coming with a level of feeling unsafe in your own life, in your own self? Do you have insecurities that you're working on? Do you have a sense of, you know, old relationships that let that affect your ability to trust? Um, How much of that sense of non-safety that you're feeling in the relationship are you bringing to the table from your past experiences And how much of that non-safety that you're feeling in the relationship actually has to do with your relationship with your partner? And I think those are, you know, sort of two sides of that question, Um, because sometimes, you know, as you were saying, getting vulnerable means facing all of our own fears about being vulnerable that may have nothing to do with our, with our partner, or it may have everything to do with our partner. And that's what we're trying to evaluate. Yeah. One of the things that we were mentioning in terms of the work, whichever way this ends up going, whether the divorce happens, when the, whether the divorce doesn't happen, there's going to be a, excuse my French, a shitload of work mm-hmm. um, on either end. Yeah. And so it's probably a better bet to invest in that workload before mm-hmm. than, than have to deal with it after. What do I mean? It means you're going to have to have lots of emotions going through a divorce. It's probably in your best interest to do as much of that work on yourself, feeling your feelings, confronting your fear, all that kind of stuff, because it's going to happen anyway. You're going to be scared and lonely and sad and angry and all that stuff afterwards. So 
and during the process and, you know, kind of all of the places along the way. So there's going to be a lot of pain no matter which way you slice it. And it's probably a better investment to do it on the front end because by doing it on that side, number one, you can see whether it's possible to, to change the situation. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, and number two, you won't be wondering after the fact, well, what happens if, what, what would have happened if, right. You know? What if I had done the work, would it, could it, should have, could have, would have, um, and you don't want to be in that space. Yeah, absolutely. It's not easy. It's not easy, but, uh, you know, and when we talk about doing the work, it, you know, maybe you could speak two minutes about what do you, what do you, how do you describe to someone who's ever done the work? Because mm-hmm. often we're coming into this situation with lots of frustrations and stuff where we don't necessarily have any context for what does it mean to do the work for anyone out there who does it, who's not aware of it. So I think, yeah, when we use that sort of jargon, like doing the work, what we're describing is, are you willing to turn and look at yourself and in your relationship with self, with others and and with God to understand the challenges that you're having in that relationship are partly to do with your own thinking, your own feeling, your own experiences. What are the parts of you that are need healing um, and understanding? So are you doing the work of um, looking at yourself, asking difficult questions? You know, we say that the quality of a relationship is directly correlative to your willingness to have difficult conversations. And that same thing applies to the work on yourself, meaning the relationship with yourself. Are you willing to look at yourself honestly, authentically, feel your feelings, heal your heart, um, understand the the origins of your thoughts and your feelings and um, work that through, I would say, either with yourself, with a coach, with a therapist, um, with a guide of some sort that can help you um, sift through your way of looking at yourself in the world that has been greatly affected by your family of origin, by your past relationships, um, and just generally how you function in the world. Did I miss anything? Mm, That was pretty thorough. Um, Give me a moment to see if anything pops into my mind. I I would just say on a a personal note, Mm. um, you know, I was a person who always prided themselves on growth and working on themselves and improving, mm. but it's a it was a it's like you know the analogy I give is uh, imagine you're snorkeling you would snorkel mm. and you're looking at the at the ocean with a snorkel and then you get on your scuba diving gear, right? It's a whole different level. Mm. Yeah. So you know behavioral change, it was snorkeling. Mm. Um, understanding the emotional content and wounds and stuff that's going on beneath the surface, which always sounded to me like, eh, like this is, this is, this is change. Mm-hmm. Like you don't have to, you don't have to look at yourself like too deeply. It's like looking at your belly button too much, right? Mm-hmm. Navel gazing. Right. Um, however, having done a little bit more now, I recognize that there really is a deep value in going beneath the surface mm-hmm. um and and to be frank you can't really do this without someone else's help like to begin with eventually you can get good at it yourself but that first kind of cracking open that level needs someone holding your hand um like you said a therapist a coach 
hey, I'm a coach. You can use me if you want. Um, <laughs> unashamed plug. Um, it really does take some help to really, and 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 usually when you're asking the kind of question of should I get a divorce, mm-hmm. this is a very ripe time for doing that work because yeah. clearly something has brought you to some kind of pain has brought you to the point where you're thinking I need to make a major change. And so this is the time when you can really understand yourself so much better than when things are just kind of coasting. Yeah. And maybe this is a good point to just throw in friends and family are, you need them. They're your team. They're your people. They're your confidants. But when it comes to a major decision like this, and I've seen several um, therapists back this up that the difficulty when you're asking friends and family a question like, do you think I should get divorced? They themselves are going to have charged answers for various reasons, whether it's about divorce itself, whether it's about they want you to be happy, whether it's they don't like your spouse, whether it's they are afraid for you, like you're going to get charged answers. And it's really helpful to have at least one person in your life who is going to look at it from a standpoint of unattachment to whatever the outcome is and help guide you with these questions in that way. So I I think that's just a a good caveat to have in in terms of getting feedback. Hmm. Awesome. Um, Yeah. And we've got to note here that in terms of therapists, you really want to like, there are, to be frank, there are people out there that have a shingle out there, which, you know, they are, they've done the work, they've, they've gone to school, but they often haven't necessarily accessed that deeper work themselves. Mm-hmm. And the point being, you really want to get yourself a therapist that really feels good. That feels like they've, they're, they're the right fit. They understand this kind of deeper work. Um, and they're not just, not just a, um, I don't know how to say this in a nice way. Maybe yeah, I think, look, I, I think finding a therapist or a coach who can guide you through this delicate process is also like dating, right? You need to find somebody that's a good fit for you. You want to find somebody who you see can approach this with a very nuanced, um, deep experiential um, lens. Um, so, it, you know, a lot of people are like, ah, you know, therapy's not for me because they had one therapist and it wasn't a good fit. Um, And now all therapy is bad. So I I think, you know, give yourself a bit of an opportunity to find a good person that's a good fit for you. And that that person should feel like they're, they themselves don't have an agenda, Um, you know, and, and trust your gut, trust your feel for that and ask around and good recommendations from, from people and friends is, is often helpful too. Yeah. I went, I personally went through two therapists before I, on my third try, found the one that was the right fit. Yeah. Um, the first one lasted all of one session. It was quite an amazing scenario. Yeah. They, they told me, this is just a fun story that in during my first session, they said, yeah, I find it with my clients that the smarter they are, the better the therapy works. And I was like, I was scratching my head thinking mm-hmm. like, what, how can there be correlation between how your IQ and your ability to do inner work? It didn't right. feel at all like a good fit anyway. Um, Yeah. Moving on, um, one of the points that, that we were going to discuss was the fact that when it comes to change in a relationship, just like if you think about it, a dance, you know, when one partner uh, moves themselves in a different way, the other partner now responds in a different way. Mm-hmm. So 
the dynamic of relationship can really be changed by one person just changing how they're how they're interacting in this relationship so right. doing the work yourself really affects the entire system yeah so yeah bowen family systems talks about this a lot um this idea that even if only one person goes to therapy inevitably the relationship will change so i think a lot of people get really frustrated because not like both people won't go together but even if one person starts to do the work that can produce a tremendous amount of change um I've, but look you know you are going to be limited by the amount of work people are willing to do in terms of how much things can um, shift and i think that's important to recognize as well um I wanted to just mention one other thing that's on here, which is one of the things when you evaluate self, um, I, I was a personal trainer for many years. And one of the things I used to teach my clients was the difference between pain for growth and pain that's injurious. So recognizing in yourself and in the relationship is, look, relationships are hard. <clears throat> they take work. You're going to fight. You're going to, there's going to be friction. But the question is, is the friction for creating growth, meaning it's rubbing up against things that you're working on and trying to develop into, or is the pain and the friction um, injurious and um, toxic and not necessarily moving either of you forward in any way? And I think that's also a good question to ask in terms of a rubric. I think that word injurious is something I'm going to be using today. It's a great word. Cool. Love, love it. It reminds me of litigious. Um, <laughs> All right. So that's, we've spoken a lot about self right now. Mm -hmm. um, you know, asking questions is really a, just a great, a great way to, you know, journaling, taking a pen out and just writing stuff down getting it out of your brain onto paper, yeah. all those kinds of things really help to just put on in front of you, what's going on, what, what is going on what, what can I bring out from under the surface so that I can examine it? Yeah, so, for sure. That's kind of self. That's really your first stop is just to kind of dig into yourself. I love it. Maybe we should take some of these questions and make like a a rubric we can post for people if they want to have some jumping off points. Yeah, they can yeah good idea. Yeah, we'll, add, we'll add that into line. Liner notes, my favorite. So, <laughs> All right. So let's move on to the next piece that you could consider with your calm curiosity as you're starting to consider whether or not um, divorce should be something you're thinking about. Um, you're going to be, of course, looking at your partner. Now, you've probably already been doing this if you're considering divorce. Um, maybe you think your partner is all is the entire problem here. Um, and maybe both of you think that. Maybe you're just struggling because things have been difficult for a while. Um, so you've probably already had eyes on your partner and been evaluating their behavior, their choices, the way they talk, the way they do the different things. Um, but here, I think we'd like to say, what are some of the calm, curious questions um, that would be helpful? Um, so do you want to start us off? Certainly. Um, yeah, just to, to kind of echo what you're saying first, the, the, if, if your headspace is my partner is the, is the cause, right. chances are mm -hmm. that you're only getting 50% of the picture. Right. Which brings um, us back to, are you doing the work? Right. Um, so, but on a, on a much kind of calmer note, um, the first one is really looking at the values and goals that you and your spouse have. You know, it could be the once upon a time they lined up, um, but it could be they, they never did uh, and you never realized it. But do our values and goals line up? Because you, it's, hard, it's hard to have a relationship with someone 
whose goals and values don't line up with yours. Can we give some examples of values and goals? Um, sure. Why don't you, why don't you start us off? <laughs> I think when we talk about values and goals, we're talking about what is your life about? So do you value honesty? Do you value um, uh, security? Do you value uh, trust? Um, is one of your goals to have a life that lines up with meaning? Is one of your goals to have things be healthy? Like what are some of the major core values, goals, and principles that guide your life? Like if you were to say, what do I want my life to be about? How would you answer that question? And then do you and your partner line up mostly on that answer um, so that you're building a life together that is align, aligned with what you want in life? Yeah, I think that, you know, goals on a superficial level, right? Let's talk superficially. Yeah. I'm a person who wants to make a lot of money. No, I'm a person who wants to do a lot of nonprofit work. I'm right. like, that's very superficial, like I said, but it, it yeah. it's hard to have, if you don't have any overlap, that's, that's rough. Yeah, because even sometimes those somewhat quote unquote superficial goals, like maybe some one of you wants kids and the other one doesn't. And you guys thought you would be able to navigate that. Or more kids. Right. So these are like, what do you want your life to look like? And being very honest with that with yourself and then being very honest with that with your partner is one of the ways that you can evaluate, like, where are we going? Because fundamentally, if your goals and values don't align, it's like running a business where everybody in the business has a different business plan. Um, and the question is, can does that work together or work against each other? Hmm. The, the, one of the points we put out here was the level of discomfort um, that's necessary to kind of propel change. What, what would it be? Like what's rock bottom for you? Hmm. At what point, like, would you be like, you know what? I can't, this is it. I'm right. What's your red line? And I remember I had a client once that said um, she realized that um, the relationship was really in trouble when she had the thought, would I want this to be the person who takes care of me when I get sick? Like, God forbid I would, I was to get really ill or have a terrible injury. Is this the person that I would want taking care of me? And I think for her, that was a turning, you know, a trim tab on the boat where she went, oh, wait a minute. I'm not sure if the answer would be yes. So I think those kinds of questions, you know, the that was a deeply uncomfortable question to ask. But to imagine if things were really, 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 really bad, right? How bad would it have to get for you to start to ask those difficult questions and to start to think about changing things? And something else that I often hear is thoughts of you know this is going to sound a little bit you know uh dark but um thoughts of death mm. um people wondering you know what would happen if they died what would happen if i died mm -hmm. you know those kinds of thoughts are pointing you towards some the fact that something needs to change it's not necessarily just to clarify it doesn't mean right divorce necessarily it means something has to change and that can be you know the deeper work that we were talking about before but if if the thoughts of you know either suicide or or something an accident happening or something like that are you know are part of your daydream mm -hmm. scenario and i hear that often from clients uh, and it, and it's, it, just to clarify it's a normal emotion when you're when you're going through a tough time 
like right. the ultimate escape. It's mm -hmm. the ultimate escape, right? Right. It's not just like being able to run away. It's able to avoid all your problems instantaneously. Right. So it's it's you know don't be scared if that thought's coming through your mind right. or through your spouse's mind. It's okay. It's it's natural. The part when it gets a little bit where you need to take extra care is when they're actually having thoughts and how do how do I do this. Yeah. And even if you are just, you know, if you are having those thoughts, it's a point where you should start to speak to somebody, where you should start sharing some of that, where you should start being able to start examining what's going on that's bringing you to those types of thoughts. So if you're having those thoughts and not yet interacting with somebody who can support you through those and help you untangle that, I think that's a pretty good, um, yeah, it's a good sign. marker. Yeah, it's a good sign. It's time to talk to somebody. Yeah, time to get some support. 100%. Yeah. 100%. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, I think that's the end of our part two. Mm -hmm. um, moving on to part three, the relationship. You want to start us off? Sure. I think one of the ways that people often evaluate their marriage, the only way they can say, is this a good marriage, is to compare it to other marriages that they've seen. And most people will compare their marriage to their, you know, sort of upfront front line front lines experience would be, which would be their own parents, right? So what is a marriage? What does marriage look like? And a lot of the time people are basing that on what their parents' marriage looked like. Um, and those may be very different from each other. They may not always be super healthy. They might be in, incredible. Um, you know, sometimes that can be a very high bar. Sometimes that can be a very low bar. So I think defining what is marriage, what does it look like and getting some healthy feedback on that can give you a bit um, of perspective in terms of is what's happening in your marriage right now something that is um, navigatable, um, healable, workable, or you know is this something that you guys have built out of a lot of you know difficult wounds and and not coming from healthy families? where you're in a situation where actually this is something that needs change on a significant level. So I think evaluating what is marriage, what does healthy marriage look like? What does healthy relationship look like? Um, and where are we at to do that sort of on, on where's your relationship at, relationship at in general? Mm, yeah, I like that. The understanding what your starting point ref references. Yeah. Um, the next two points kind of tie in together, so maybe I'll combine them. And that is before any divorce decision is made, I believe it's, it really is imperative to attempt um, counseling, mm -hmm. um, both individual and, and group counseling. Yeah. And um, the willingness of everyone involved to do that is a great indication of where things are at. Yeah. And maybe I can just throw something in because this is a bit of like a, you know, a bee in my bonnet, which is a lot of the time people treat marriage therapy as the emergency room. They only go when the, when the marriage is literally about to fall off the cliff. And I can't say enough from people that I've worked with to say that marriage therapy can and should be preventative medicine. Meaning if you need a third party to help you navigate smaller things along the way, it's much more helpful if you each have someone to speak to alone and together 
so that you can build healthy patterns and coping skills into the relationship before you get to the cliff. Um, so I, I think a lot of therapists are, uh, and coaches often are like, if these people had begun working on themselves or dealing with some of these issues five years ago, 10 years ago, um, you know, there are certain things that could have been um, avoided. And often one of the challenges is price, um, you know, yeah, it's, it's expensive, sure. of course. But let, let us tell you from experience, <laughs> divorce is more expensive. Yeah. So investing in preventative medicine is almost always cheaper than, you know, having to deal with with the uh, eventual disease. So, but back to the point that I wanted to mention before was that if your partner is not open to some kind of um, working on the relationship right? Their willingness, their willingness to make it work, to do the hard work. It's a really, you know, it, it says a lot. Mm -hmm. It says yeah. a lot. There's, there's, you know, it's not a conclusion, conclusive piece. Again, we said beforehand, it was just one person changing to right. change the entire relationship, but it definitely is a red flag to be examined. I, I don't like the term red flag usually because it, it, it comes with so much, um, Hush up with this. It, it sounds like the minute you get a red flag, it's over, right? Yeah, I, I, don't like that. I, I think it's just a flag. Yeah, it's, not, it's like look here, right? Something needs some attention here. It's supposed to know. Yeah, I like that idea. It's it's a flag because if someone does not want to work on the marriage, why? Like, what's going on there? Mm -hmm. Why what, do they not want the marriage to work? Is do they think the marriage is fine? Like, what's going? What would be the reason that you don't want? put in the effort to improve the marriage. And this is where I think, you know, this idea that marriage is a crucible for growth, this is where it does work, which is, you know, in order for this to continue um, the same way, if God forbid, you know, you go to the doctor and you get a diagnosis and something serious is going on and it propels you to take care of yourself more, to examine what you're eating, examine how you're sleeping, examine your relationship with stress, all of those things, you know, sometimes, um, the breakdown in a marriage is, is an illness that needs to be addressed and it will push you to having a deeper level of self-care and self-awareness. Um, but I think then you have to sort of examine, is this, is this an illness that will propel change, growth, and better connection? Or is this really something that, that at this point, which is what you're asking yourself when you're thinking about divorce, is this a point where actually, um, the happy and healthy choice will be to go your separate ways that the growth that you're that you need to do and you're able to do actually at this point needs to be done separately yeah it reminds me of a question that my client asked me um is not wanting to be in the marriage enough of a reason to end the marriage right i just i just don't want to mm -hmm. right i don't you know that's just i just don't want it um, and I think that there's two parts here. The first part is very often, I think that people confuse or obfuscate the issue with all these complexities, but ultimately this comes out and actually not wanting. Mm -hmm. um, like they, they, they have all these wonderful, you know, theories and explanations, but it, it, when you drill down, it's just, they just don't want to. Mm -hmm. um, and number two is that that not wanting to sometimes needs to be examined. For sure. Like sometimes you need to drill down to understand like, okay, 
could you say more about that? Because if you understand what it is, it could be that that thing that you're, you know, that's driving that desire is an unhealthy wound that you need to work through that you're going to have to go through anyway, because those come up in your next relationship and the next relationship and the next relationship. And some people won't care about that. Right. Like I think even the getting to the bottom where it just says, I just don't want to, there's never usually, I think a some answer to that meaning. It's just that like, you know, for me with meditation, for instance, like if I don't want to meditate, there's usually a piece that's underneath that. Like I need to be with that first. What is that not wanting to? I don't want to feel my feelings. I don't want to go deeper. I don't want to, you know, connect in this way. Like I think there's often reasons underneath that not wanting to, and they have to do with deep personal ideas about self and life and what it means to actually do the work. And, and at this point, you know, it may be a situation where, um, it just needs to happen in a very different way. And sometimes, you know, marriage is a crucible for growth, but so is divorce. Oh yeah. I think I definitely grew through my divorce experience, um, you know, immensely uh, on so many different levels that I never was able to during the marriage. So um, I think that that's also a really important thing to keep in mind. Okay, we come to a fourth pillar of our rubric Right, we've examined self, we examine our partner, we examine the relationship. Now we're examining the outer world, outside factors that are that are not included in all those things. Right. So I think these this is taking a look at what are the circumstances that surround yourself, your partner, and your marriage that might be influencing whether you're leaving or staying. Um, so maybe we started off with this idea, like, you know, am I am I only staying in the relationship because of kids or because of security or because I'm afraid to leave? And and is that a good enough reason? Yeah, and, and it's not a simple question. You know, often uh, either either extreme is not is not great. Right. Um, ignoring the fact that you have kids is not great, and and staying for the sake sake of the kids is not great. Right. Um, I think we we could be we've said this before on the show, but um. You know, showing your children how to um, live a happy life through, you know, through it all, you know, is sometimes a better option than showing them have a, how to have a shitty marriage. Right. And I think also taking into account the timing. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think this also takes us to what's the timing, right? Are you in um, a major flux right now? Did somebody, God forbid, just pass away? Did you just have a new kid? Um, is there stuff related to finances that are really difficult right now? Like, are what are, are you pregnant? Yeah. What are some of the major pressures that are buckling um, and pressing on this relationship? And maybe it's exposing cracks that were already there, but it's also important to recognize that sometimes outside pressure can make things um, intensely worse than they already were. Um, and then evaluating, like, how do we navigate pressure together and and what does that look like is also a good question to ask mm, yeah also family pressure you know there can be stuff going on in the larger family not just your nuclear family yeah you know either divorce or illness or or they're you know sometimes they're pushing you for some particular reason yeah and sometimes your family can be saying why are you married to that dope you know or you know pushing you to stay in the marriage or pushing you to get out of the marriage and sometimes taking that into account, you know, in terms of how you're thinking is also important, like how much pressure is coming from the outside to do one thing or the other. 
And then I think we also can look then at cultural and community. Does your community have a real problem with divorce and is that affecting your decision? Um, or is it very open and supportive and actually encourages you to, you know, do just, eh, just get divorced. What's the big deal? So I think on both extremes, it's examining what are the, the thought processes that are going into your decision and how you, how are you being affected by who's surrounding you? Um, uh, and, and again, approaching that with calm curiosity. Yeah. The, the kind of, um, the shame, embarrassment, fear, all that can get definitely put into the mix. You yeah. might be really clear internally of, you know, this makes sense for me. And then all of a sudden you you put it through the filter of, well, how would this make me feel community-wise? And all of a sudden it gets a lot more confusing. Yeah. So just understanding which filter is affecting what can actually clarify for you, oh, so really I know what the right decision is. I'm just afraid of how everyone will think about me. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's a that's that's a clearer obstacle to navigate rather than just well, I don't, I'm not sure. I'm confused. Yeah. Getting clear the pieces. It's something we haven't kind of mentioned, but if you can pick apart the pieces and, and rather than being this confusion, mm. getting clear what pieces are the fear. Oh, there's fear of this. There's fear of that. Oh, I'm I've got this little piece to navigate. Once you divide it into pieces, it's much more um, easier to navigate and make the right decision. Yeah. I also think, you know, a lot of the time we talk about divorce as if it's different than a breakup um, of any relationship. Um, but there is a, just a deeply normal emotional aspect, which is you're breaking up with somebody. You know, if you've had a girlfriend or a boyfriend and you're breaking up, there's all kinds of feelings, whether it's you don't want to hurt someone, you don't want to reject them, you don't want to feel rejected. Um, I think a lot of the normal, natural feelings of fears and hurts that come along with just going through a breakup, um, you know, a divorce is a breakup on steroids, but dealing with those bottom line feelings of am I being rejected or is this person rejecting me and the pain of that can really be a, a, um, a piece of this puzzle and examining your own understanding of rejection, whether it's fear of doing it to another or fear of feeling it, um, is also a really important piece of the work to do when it comes to just simply breaking up. Um, so I think that's a, an important piece of the puzzle too. Hmm. And one piece of the puzzle that perhaps we haven't spoken about, because this is really a, a proactive kind of episode um, in terms of if you're deciding whether or not to get a divorce, but something just to put out there from this, this kind of came to me right now. I heard this line recently from another divorce coach out there. And they were saying, you know, if, if your partner doesn't want you, right, doesn't want to be with you, do you want to be with that partner? Right. It's a great question. And, and why? And, and if you do, and it's because often the answer is I still want that. I'm desperate for that. Right. So that's a really great question to kind of shine back on yourself mm. because it really does, it, uh, you know, a healthy, emotionally healthy person mm. doesn't really want to be with someone who doesn't want them, who rejects mm. them. Because yeah. why would you want to be around someone who's just causing you pain? Right. Um, and if you're willing to kind of abandon yourself to that nonetheless there's something going on inside that you might you may want to kind of heal from learn about be curious about yeah it's a great question that's a tough question but a really important question 
and and it can take you to some really profound, deep understandings of yourself and and relationship if you're willing to go there. I think we should do a psychedelics uh, session for from people go you know profound journey of self-exploration yeah or just meditate it'll take you there too <laughs> <laughs> all right um, okay so we've covered the four different questions right what, what what's going on within self what's going on with your partner what's going on with your marriage whether your your, your marriage is a, as a joint venture and what's going on outside the outside world um we wanted to mention a couple of last kind of takeaways um, which we've kind of slipped in here and there, but um, the first one is if, if you're in a rush, if you're rushing, like there's a certain pressure involved, it's to make this decision. It's probably not coming from a good place. Um, pressure leads to confusion. Um, it leads to lack of clarity and take your time because you can't take this back. This is a one, one and done. Um, and it's got lifetime ramifications. Mm -hmm. And so it's better to err on taking it too long than too quick. One of the ways I've seen people do this is if you have, if you are in counseling and you do um, decide to separate, that the counselor then becomes a person who can help you navigate the separation so that again, it's done with support. So um, that's also something just to take into consideration. Are you making this decision the same way you hopefully made the decision thoughtfully to get married? Are you making this decision, the decision thoughtfully to end the marriage and then how to do that? Um, that will definitely make things uh, easier through what is just essentially a difficult process. And yeah, we said this throughout that having someone on board to consult with all these different pieces you know, this is a complex, complex situation. And so having someone who can really hold your hand, who's got experience with this with other people, who has a good perspective, who you trust, uh, a coach, a therapist, um, very, very, very important. Um, and, and the last point I wanted to raise um, was to not underestimate how large a decision and how hard this option is. You know, people often talk about, you know, our disposable society you know we've got disposable you know products and you know we don't make we don't make electronics like we used to we right. don't make chairs like we used to right. and marriages aren't the same either right that we just throw away our marriages and, right and or oh you decided to take the easy way out and get divorced yeah and just to say it is a exceptionally challenging um journey exceptionally challenging it is not easy it's like oh i believe most of our audience are, are coming with kids mm -hmm. you know when you throw kids into the mix everything becomes much more complex and much more just hard so this is not something to be taken lightly this is something which is exceptionally challenging it may be the biggest challenge you've ever experienced um, and it may still be the best decision you ever made but it just doesn't mean that it's going to be easy correct so, um, anything else to add, Ali, before we sign off today? No, I think that's it. And please um, let us know if you have questions or if you have anything that we think uh, you think we should have added to this list in terms of how you are coming to this decision or how you came to this decision. Um, and we'll address it in one of our future episodes. Um, we've had so many of you reach out with great ideas for episodes, so please keep doing that. Um, and if you want to contact either one of us, you'll find our information in the liner notes. I did have one last idea that came to me that 
once upon a time, I think we had the same thing as we finished an episode, is getting some spiritual counseling. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, absolutely. just getting some, some, especially, especially with, you know, the get and all the, all the different pieces. It's good to have a rabbi or Rabbitson on your side that can hold your hand um, and, you know, give you some communal support and, and, um, and just some Jewish kind of guidance in this area. And also helpful. a bigger picture on the whole thing. Like this is, you know, a, a decision that impacts so broadly in your life that sometimes it's also just helpful to have that spiritual perspective, a God perspective on what it means for you and your life and, and how to deal with difficult things. So, yeah, I agree with you. It's an important point. Hopefully people didn't uh, end the episode before we threw that in. <laughs> As we start talking about thanks for coming, then oh, I'm done. Um, but in any case, great having you all here. Um, love to hear from you. Um, have a wonderful week. Thanks for listening. Thanks for joining us. If you have an idea for an episode or a question for either David or myself, don't hesitate to reach out or you can leave us a voice message. The link for that is in the liner notes. If you think you know someone who could benefit from any of our information, ideas, tools, or conversations, please go ahead and share this podcast. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and follow us on whatever podcast app you're using. And please leave us a rating and a review so anyone who is trying to find us can do so more easily. Remember, you're not alone. You got this. And we're all working together to get transformed. Bye for now.